Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks. This episode of Lockdown Blackhawks is brought to you by Built Bar. Save $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. I'm all out. Got to place an order very, very soon. Welcome in. My name is Jay Zawoski. It is Talk Back Tuesday here on Lockdown Blackhawks. And Lockdown Blackhawks is, of course, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Many ways to get in touch with the podcast. Voicemail number 708-653-0572. The email is LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com. The Twitter account is at LO underscore Blackhawks. You can follow my personal account at jayzawoski670 and of course the madhouse chicago hockey podcast at madhouse pod by the way if you don't know i have a non-sports podcast too it's called the i'm fat podcast where my buddy rick camp and i talk about food culture and fat life and all the fun stuff we do as fat people uh check that one out too i'm fat pod on twitter and on facebook you can't miss it but uh subscribe like review i think you'll enjoy it it's a lot of fun. Uh, we do it every Monday. We release a brand new episode, so check out the I'm Fat podcast as well. So as I mentioned, Talk Back Tuesday is today. But before we get to that, a little bit of news on the return to hockey front. We discussed last week how Pierre Lebrun was sort of going through some of the options, talking about, well, it could be a 20-team thing. It could be a 24-team thing, but at the same time, Some teams don't like the 24-team thing, whatever. Well, it seems like, at least as of the time I'm recording this, that the 24-team thing seems to be a possibility, and it's picking up steam. Now, the difference would be that it wouldn't be playoffs starting with 24 teams. It would be 24 teams, and they would have some play-in type series, And then it would get to a 16-team regular playoff. However it goes, if they use the 24-team method to bring hockey back and there were some talks and maybe there'd be some announcement on Monday, it didn't happen on Monday, maybe it will happen uh, today or tomorrow, whatever. Um, But things are starting to come back, it seems, nationwide, like Western New York is opening up and there's... It seems like there's some progress being made. Meanwhile, we're being told Illinois will not hit its COVID-19 peak until the middle of June. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's very confusing. But if the 24-team thing is what happens, that means the Blackhawks are either in this playoff scenario or they're in this play-in scenario. And I discussed it last week. It's certainly exciting. It's more exciting than just coming back and playing out the season really to no end, to no point, right? You're not going to make the playoffs. What's the point? At least with a play-in series, the Hawks suddenly have a shot to get into the playoffs, and who knows what happens from there, right? Ride a hot goalie. Ride a hot hand as a goal scorer. These guys are chomping at the bit to get back. I don't know if you saw it. Right when the last dance ended on Sunday night, Duncan Keith sent out a tweet. And it was basically just a shot of his back covered in sweat. And it says, I don't believe in magic, but I have some tricks. I don't know what it means. I don't know what he's trying to say. But Duncan Keith (laughs) looks like he's ready to go. I mean, this dude is jacked beyond belief. You got to find it. His Twitter account is at Duncan Keith. Spent a lot of time dreaming that one up, but finally settled on his name as his Twitter handle. But again, it's a close-up of Duncan Keith's like shoulders and back just dripping in sweat. And he's got some sort of headpiece on. So a lot of people are comparing him to Bane from the Batman movie. 
But man, Duncan Keith is a dude who I think a lot of people don't realize what an athlete that guy is. Like, to be doing what he does at the age he is with a little drop-off, but not a huge drop-off, the guy is an absolute machine and a workout monster. Find the picture at Duncan Keith on Twitter. Uh, It's just remarkable. And as I'm talking to you about my podcast about being fat, Duncan Keith could certainly have a podcast about being ripped because that's exactly what it is. But I don't know. It seems like there's some movement this week in hockey coming back. And I know it's a little bit hopeful. And I know, you know, there's some hesitation, at least on my part of, wait a minute, the NHL isn't first on anything. They don't figure things out before any other league. I know I've been saying that a lot lately, and maybe it rubs some people the wrong way, but I don't mean it. Well, I guess I do kind of mean it as a criticism, but I'm not saying it to be a jerk. It's just kind of true. The NHL's leadership is not super innovative. You know, if you're looking for innovation, I think like Adam Silver, the NBA GM, um, even the NFL has so many people working on it that they find ways. I just, I just don't really believe the NHL has what it takes to be the trailblazers in bringing sports back, especially when you consider the nature of the sport, uh, the close contact of the sport, the sweat, the spit, the blood, everything that is part of hockey, it's going to be really tough to control that. And even with some of the measures they've discussed, like full face shields, not allowing spitting, these guys are not choosing to spit. Watch a hockey player on the bench. And I said this last week, but watch a hockey player on the bench. They'll show him for 30 seconds. He'll spit 15 times. It's just a mindless sort of a response. Like it's a, they just do it because they do it. I don't know how you can control that. But apparently they've got their uh, get back to play committee talking and working. And I'm assuming in doing so, they're talking to the experts they need to be talking to. So fingers crossed. Who knows when they would target a return to hockey? Maybe it's, you know, end of June, early July. But it seems like however they return, the Chicago Blackhawks, one way or another, will be involved. And that is very, very exciting. You know what else is exciting? Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein bar ever. They're tasty. It tastes just like a candy bar. And I said at the front of the show that I'm all out because my daughter, who you heard on the last episode, <laughs> sang the praises of Built Bars. Uh, she's eaten most of them. So I have none left. Got to place an order. I'm going to do that probably tomorrow. When you place an order, go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your first order. That's promo code Locked On. For $10 off at BuiltBar.com. But if you haven't heard me talk about Built Bar before, again, a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, 16 amazing flavors, 8 are chocolate nut, 8 are chocolate nut free, but all of them are covered in 100% chocolate. And a big thing for me with food is the textures. If you've listened to the I'm Fat Podcast, you've heard me talk about this. Textures matter to me. The texture of a Built Bar is great. It's chewy. It's soft. There's no false, like, fake chocolate graininess or chalkiness to it it's absolutely delicious my daughter thinks it's a candy bar but look at this here's the nutrition facts for the peanut butter brownie 20 grams of protein 170 calories 3 grams of sugar 3 grams of net carbs the mint brownie 15 grams of protein 110 calories 4 grams of sugar 5 grams of net carbs some new flavors just came out today peanut butter banana pineapple upside down cake coconut pecan pie and blueberry lemon last monday the chocolate the dark chocolate cookie dough mango and peach cobbler 
came out. So they are adding to their profile. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off. That's a huge deal at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Jay Zawoski with you. Thanks for tuning in here on Talk Back Tuesday. If you want to get a question in for next Tuesday, it's never too early. 708-653-0572 is the voicemail number. The email, LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. First email of the day goes to our buddy Spike. He says, I was listening to the Blackhawks Talk podcast. That's Charlie Romeliotis, Pat Boyle, et cetera, et cetera. He said they had a discussion on if a last dance-like documentary would be done for the Blackhawks comeback from irrelevance to a decade of dominance. I'd love to see it, but I don't see it having the national appeal as the Bulls documentary. Maybe a 30 for 30 would be more on the level. Good question. I Look, I think it's a fascinating story. And while hockey is not necessarily the biggest seller in the world, especially the people who watch ESPN, who basically they never cover hockey at all, unless you're watching ESPN Plus or really, really late at night or whatever. I think if they sold it correctly, the story of the Blackhawks is really, really interesting. There's no there's no denying that. Like, from worst organization in hockey to Dynasty Sports Illustrated cover that said, what would it say, the franchise that resurrected hockey or something like that. It's just, it's remarkable. So just as in terms of a story on its own, even if you're not interested in hockey, it's a really cool story. I think a 30 for 30 is probably more likely because even though the Hawks had some star players, they didn't have the greatest of all time in Michael Jordan on their team. And that dude is 10 episodes on his own. So a 30 for 30 on the Hawks would be really, really smart. They're doing one on Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa next month. That will be really interesting. The 98 home run chase. Uh, I love what they did with the Bulls one. I remember the Bulls dynasty pretty vividly. Um, Not a huge basketball fan, but everybody loved the Bulls back then. Um, And I'm trying to kind of get back into it. Just because, I I don't know, I, I feel like everybody else is, and I'm, I feel like I'm missing out a little bit. But I would love to see a Blackhawks 30-30. to 30. They could call it like Red Rising or Return to Glory or whatever. Um, but there's so many angles that they could take on that. Just think, I mean, you really could. If NBC Sports Chicago wanted to do one, right, they could probably do a 10-part series on, you know, episode one the lead up, right? Like, so the birth of the Blackhawks and then Rocky Wirtz takes over. And then two would be everything falls apart for Rocky Wirtz. They trade Ronick, trade Chelios, trade Belfour. They suck forever, all that stuff. Then episode three could be, okay, Bill Wirtz passes away. Rocky takes over. John McDonough is brought in those changes. Episode four, the big free agent signings, Brian Campbell, Marion Hosa, Thomas Kopetsky, et cetera. The cups each get like there's so many you could definitely do a 10 partner on it. I just don't know if ESPN would want to invest that much money in the Blackhawks, but NBC Sports Chicago would do it or maybe just maybe a 
you know, a Blackhawks, something they produce on their own, which would sort of sully it, I guess, right? Because you don't want them to have too much control. Even though Jordan had control on the last dance, it was still pretty open. He was an open book. He said, I mean, of course, there were some things left out, but for the most part, it was pretty open. So I would like to see an independently produced Blackhawks documentary. Uh, That sounds pretty cool. By the way, uh, coming in November, there's a 50-part book coming out written by yours truly called The 50 Men and Moments That Made the Chicago Blackhawks. If you'd like to pre-order that book, you can absolutely do that. Go to my Twitter account, at jayzawoski 670 it is the tagged tweet the pinned tweet rather on the top of my profile it is linked to bookies which is a chicago land owned local bookstore uh bookiesbookstores.com is their website but there is a direct link to the book on there um i do encourage you if you can to support an independent bookseller as opposed to amazon or one of the big goliaths but hey whatever you need to do to get the book, I definitely welcome it. I'll also have some for sale um, around Christmas that I'll be able to sign. If the world gets back to normal somewhat, there should be some book signings. So I uh, just want to let you know my book, the, the Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Chicago Blackhawks, is due out in November, and you could pre-order it now at bookiesbookstores.com or your local bookseller. So make sure you do that. Make sure you support small business. Speaking of the book, got an email here from Kelly. She said, hey, Jay, I'm really looking forward to your Blackhawks book coming out. I'm interested to know if the release date is still on track. As far as I know, yes, it is. And how I'd feel about doing book signings in a post-pandemic world. Uh, that's a good question. And I think, as of now, I don't think the Triumph Books, they're the publisher, would put me in a dangerous situation. Uh, from everything I know about Triumph, they're nothing but total professionals. They've done this for years and years and years, publishing sports books. So uh, I I think that they would handle it very well, and I would feel comfortable if they felt comfortable. Of course, some things would need to be discussed. I probably wouldn't want to do, you know, hugs or (laughs) not that anyone really wants to hug me, but I'd probably, you know, lay off on shaking hands for a while and just wave or whatever. But I look, if if things get back to normal and things are open up uh, with some common sense uh, procedures, I would definitely be interested in that. She said, I would gladly stand live to meet you and get a signed copy. Thank you. Um... And she also wished my daughter, Addie, a happy birthday. Thank you for that, Kelly. She's turning 10 on Friday. My daughter, not Kelly. Uh, But exciting day for us. It's weird to have a child turning 10 during the middle of a pandemic. But here we are. We find a way. And uh, I think with what we purchased for her for her birthday, she'll be very, very pleased. It's Talk Back Tuesday here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Thanks for tuning in. Jay Zawoski with you. Lockdown Blackhawks is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get right back to the questions. This one comes from Jake of the Chi-Town Hockey Podcast. Jake and I spent a lot of time talking this weekend, trying to get his podcast off the ground. Give it a follow, will you? Chi-Town Hockey Podcast. Help Jake out. Help him get noticed. Help him get found. I had an unfair advantage of working at the score and having a built-in audience. Uh, Jake is starting from scratch, so give him a follow. Give him a listen. I hope you enjoy it. All right, his question says, I have a more in-depth question for you. Going back to the John McDonough firing, I was looking at an article on secondcityhockey.com, and at the bottom I noticed a poll that had already closed. It asked fans, would you rather have an outside or inside presidential hire? The poll received hundreds of votes, with the majority, 65%, give or take, saying outside hire. I talked about this on my latest episode and will be expanding on it more in the next 
But something I'm focusing on pointing out is the fact that if an outside hire takes place, someone who is new to the organization comes in, there will obviously be change. What that is, we don't know. It could be Calton getting fired, the ice crew getting replaced, whatever it may be, it'll take place. But if you're a guy, if you take a guy from within who knows the current the structure of the current organization, they'll most likely keep things the way they are. And the way things are, it's not working. At the end of the day, they just aren't. What I would want to know from you is, should the Blackhawks hire from outside and bring in a brand new guy girl to take over and run things the way they want, or should they promote from within? which would keep things relatively the same. Secondly, I'd like to know what change we could expect to see if an outside hire takes place and what change, if any, takes place if a guy like Jay Blunk or Al McIsaac is promoted from within the organization. All right, good questions there, Jake. I definitely want someone from the outside coming in. I think a fresh set of eyes on the organization would be a good thing. I say that anytime big change is made really in any organization – If change is needed, if you're making the change because things aren't working internally, on the ice, whatever your business may be, bringing someone up from an organization already isn't going to change much. Now, maybe they just thought John McDonough was a problem. Maybe the meddling got to be too much. Maybe the work atmosphere was a little too harsh and employees were unhappy. That's a possibility. However, I find it hard to believe based on the Blackhawks' lack of success over the last few years, that that's the only thing they're not pleased about. So I would expect more changes than just McDonough. That said, could Stan Bowman be elevated to director of hockey operations? Possibly. Could Stan Bowman be fired? Absolutely. It's almost impossible to predict what the changes are going to be because very strangely, and maybe you haven't noticed this and I just noticed these things because I work in media, Rocky Wirtz is yet to speak about these firings, about the McDonough firing rather. That's almost unheard of. You make a franchise altering. Altering is too soft of a word. It is a, it shook the franchise at its foundations when they fired John McDonough and the guy who made the move has not spoken yet. That tells me more is happening and there's more to be said than he's ready to say. But last week on the Blackhawks Talk podcast, Pat Boyle reported that the Hawks are going to take their time with this hire and it could go into next season whenever that might be. It might be a three to six month process of finding this person. That indicates to me, at least a little bit, that if they were thinking internally, or that they're not thinking internally, right? If they're going to take three to six months, that sounds like they're going to go through a full search, talking to everyone they can, interviewing everyone they can, and making the right hire. Now, I can't imagine they're going to do that and spend all that time talking to all these people to try to get the organization pointed in the right way and just be like, eh, Stan's fine. It'll be Stan, or it'll be Al McIsaac. I just don't see that happening. I don't. As for the other stuff, like the ice crew and those sort of things, it's all going to depend on the person that's hired. You almost can't even speculate because we have no clue as to who it will be. Um, If McIsaac takes over or Jay Blunk takes over, if Jay Blunk takes over, all he's doing is replacing McDonough, and they're not going to go with the hockey ops guy and the marketing guy it'll be the same 
format as they had before. I also find it kind of hard to believe that Jay Blunkins are going to end up wherever John McDonough goes. Those two are synonymous with each other. Uh, Jay Blunk owes a lot of his career to um, John McDonough, and I think that they'll end up together if McDonough ends up working anywhere else. It's almost safe to assume. But if you're going to go from a, like with a strictly marketing guy and then a separate hockey guy, Jay Blunk's got a lot of experience. If there's ever a time to promote somebody, it's him. I have nothing against him. I think he's a good marketing mind. And I'd like to see what he can do on his own. Ideally, I'd like a fresh start in both departments. But I'm not going to be mad if they name Jay Blunk that as long as some sort of hockey czar is named. That, to me, is the most important thing. Thank you for the question, Jake. Good luck with the Chi-Town Hockey Podcast. Hopefully everybody here can give you a follow and give you a listen. Those five-star reviews and those ratings go a long way, people, so uh, give our guy Jake a little bit of help. All right, this one's from Kyle. He says, two questions this week. If Joel Quenville were magically available for a coaching job tomorrow, would you want him back? Why or why not? I'm going to say no, kind of because of what I talked about before. I think that even though the Cowton thing hadn't worked out, I think the Quenville ship had sort of sailed. 10 years is a long time. And eventually, even the greatest coaches get tuned out. And I think that Joel had sort of reached that period. I was not surprised. I guess I was surprised that he was fired so quickly in the season. But he had been on a little, at least a lukewarm seat for a little while. Um, So, I don't know. I, I'm just ready for something new. If they want to bring in a new coach, fine. Um, There's part of me that still is, like, curious what Colin really is. I don't, I don't really know, but it's been weird since McDonough has left all of a sudden there's been this groundswell of support and not really publicly. Like we think Colin's great, but if you read between the lines, guys talk very highly of him and it's not always just players it's people around the team, but people seem to really like Jeremy Colin. So we'll see, by the way, did you see his uh, tweet the other day on obviously on Twitter posted a picture of himself with a mustache, asking uh, the Twitter account Joel Quenville's mustache how he was doing. Obviously, it's not the real Joel Quenville, but it's Jeremy Cowlton with a missing front tooth and a dirt stash. Absolutely gross. Jeremy Cowlton's Twitter name is at Blackie Hubcap, B-L-A-C-K-I-E Hubcap, all one word. I followed it forever ago. And forgot he was on there. He only has 1,900 followers. So not a lot of people have found Jeremy Cowton on Twitter. And if they have, they probably don't think it's actually him. But that's him. That May 12th tweet. Go check out Jeremy Cowton's uh, dirt stash. It is uh, it is very dirty. I feel, I feel somewhat assaulted by it, to be honest with you. Uh, second question here from Kyle. Do you think it's reasonable to assume that the NHL will have to release the official format for the resumption of the season slash playoffs before they move to phase two? It seems unlikely the teams will be asked to resume skating and preparing for a preseason without knowing what comes next. If I'm right, how do you think this could affect the NHL's timeline? Um, the discussion is, is, I think, Kyle, what you're referring to is like phase two of the COVID recovery. And that will change based on, you know, wherever you are, like wherever your location is. And I know there's been some talk about using some host cities as staging places for the NHL. But what we're learning is 
that part of what spreads COVID is like HVAC systems. If someone in a hotel is sick and it gets sucked into the intake and blown out the outtake, X, whatever it is, you know what I mean? The blower, the distributor. I'm not an HVAC guy. Shut up. Don't make fun of me. Um, that That's kind of how it spreads most. So a hotel, day after day after day, is not the greatest scenario for player safety. So I don't know. It's just, it's really hard to see how this thing's going to go. Hopefully, hopefully, they figure it out and get back to hockey sooner or later. All right, got another email here from Jamie. He says, first off, thanks. You're really helping keep things sane around here. I was in a zone listening to your, your podcast every morning, driving to work through the mountains here in Canada. The season was a mixed bag of emotion, but I could count on an insightful Blackhawks chit-chat, all the lackluster playing and the inevitable playoff dreams lost. Then COVID hit, and you kept on keeping on like a true Blackhawks fan. I'm 43, born and raised Hawks, spent 10 years living in the U.K. So, yeah, I spent my time in the U.K. when the Hawks finally won a cup. I didn't miss a second of it. Used my holiday so I could stay up and watch because of of the time difference and not have to work in an hour or two. Even name my three rats after my favorites, Taves, Kane, and Hosa. If I could have had more, I wanted Keith and Seabrook. Anyway, sorry for rambling on. I could talk Hawks and how my dad raised me on them forever, and I didn't actually have a question regarding the roster. But here's his question. Why is David Kampf still on the Blackhawks? I don't hate on anyone. You have to be skilled to get to the NHL, but he's no Kruger, so why the love? I don't get it. Any insight would be appreciated. Is it just me? He seems easily replaceable, and he says he wants a built bar. (laughs) I'll see what I can do, Jamie. He said, P.S., let's go Hawks. David Kampf, yes, I am not the world's biggest David Kampf fan. He is the very definition of fine. He makes a million bucks. He's a little bit versatile where he can play center or wing. Uh, But the word that Jamie used, replaceable, is 100% correct. Uh, And I think he's just a guy. That's all David Kampf is. And you need some guys that can be dependable. You know, he can kill some penalties or whatever you need. Uh, He's only 25. I know he's a workout fanatic. Um. I don't know. I, I'm not super fond of him. I don't hate him by any means, but I fail to see really what he brings to the team. But sometimes when you're not a very deep roster, simply having competent players can make a difference. And that's what David Kampf is. He's perfectly competent. And in a year or whatever, they'll trade him to sweeten a trade or, you know, whatever. He'll become a free agent and they'll figure it out. But um, yeah, I just, I have really no feel for David camp at all. He's, he's perfectly fine. That's kind of my thought on him. It's a guy that in 15 years will say, all right, name Blackhawks from the, you know, 2010s or 2020s. And he'll be like, oh, you know, there was, there was Kajula and there was, you know, Nylander and, and that Highmore kid was here. And I think Seabrook was still around then. And then David camp, who the hell's David camp? And you'll have to Google it. And you're like, oh yeah, that guy. Oh, yeah, David Kampf, he of the uh, 16 points in 70 games so far in 2019-20. I don't know. He's a guy. Nothing against him. I, I It sounds like I'm insulting him. I'm not trying to. It's just like, eh, he's a guy. All right, got a voicemail here from Ryan. Hey, Jay, Ryan here from Ohio. Just want to say thank you so much for keeping the Blackhawks content up and running during quarantine. Uh, It's really been a lifeline for us hockey fans that are starving for whatever kind of information is out there. So thank you very much. 
My question is about the upcoming draft. I've seen a ton of mock drafts lately. Uh, most of them have the Blackhawks picking somewhere in the 5 to 10 range, usually 8 to 10, uh, right there, kind of in the middle of the first round. And my question is, I've seen a lot of buzz about Yaroslav Askarov, that goalie out of Russia, 17-year-old phenom. You know, recently, goalies in the draft, there's usually one can't-miss guy. Um, if there isn't, then you don't see any goalies going in the first round. So my question to you is, do you think Askarov is a can't-miss guy? Would you be happy if the Blackhawks went with him? Uh, let's say their draft pick is right in that 8-10 to 10 range. Uh, personally, I think that's a slam-dunk pick. If this Askarov kid is everything that they're saying he is, uh, I think it would be a great way to bridge Corey Crawford out into retirement, uh, you know, give him another two years, and then let him take over a veteran backup mentorship to Askarov, and then, you know, put his jersey up in the billboards. So uh, just want to hear your thoughts on the draft. If you have any other sleeper picks that you're really high on, I'd love to hear those too. Thanks again, man. Can't wait to hear the podcast. Ryan, thank you for the voicemail. Uh, one thing I've taken pride in over my years as a Blackhawks podcaster is I don't bullcrap the audience. Uh, I tell you what I feel, even though sometimes it can change day to day based on the latest performance on the ice. I try to be as honest as I can. Uh, and I'll be honest with you. All I know about the Russian goalie you mentioned is that he's a goalie from Russia and he's supposed to be pretty good. My draft prep happens when the season ends and I have a rough estimate of where the Blackhawks are going to pick. Um, I just don't have time in my life to brush up on prospects just yet. However, the concept of drafting an elite goalie in the first round is not necessarily a bad idea to me. I don't hate it at all. Um, that said, if Stan Bowman is your guy, if he's the guy that they tab to be the GM going forward, be it for another year, another two years, whatever, he has had some pretty good luck in finding goalies. That's one thing that Sam Bowman has done pretty well. No, he hasn't kept them all around, but signed Robin Leonard, found Antti Ranta, found Scott Darling, signed Ray Emery. He's had a good knack for identifying goaltending talent. And for all the criticisms we have about Sam Bowman, we have to be fair and offer praise when he's really good at something. And I think he is really good at finding lesser-known goalie talent. And his scouts are, of course, too, his pro scouting staff. So, yes, I would be up for drafting a goalie. They do have a lot of other needs. Um, I know a lot of us, and I'm, I'm a little guilty of this myself, are really like, well, Carlson's good and Bodan's good because they played, you know, what, I think three games and one game so far, and they looked pretty good. So we're ready to call the Hawks defensive prospects deep, and maybe they are, but... I think when you get a high pick, especially considering where the Hawks are right now with Taves aging, Kane aging, Keith aging, Seabrook aged, etc., you're going to want to find a kid that can contribute a little sooner than a goalie. Goalies usually take some time to develop and join the team. So I'm not against it, but I think all things considered, it might make sense to find a more NHL-ready defenseman or forward to help solidify the team and do what you can to get Corey Crawford back for a year or two and then figure out the goalie thing from there. Kevin Lankinen, they like. 
I know he didn't have a spectacular year in Rockford this year, but I know he was banged up as well. They like Lankinen. And look, you can always go find a goalie in free agency if you have to. Um, but hey, if they identify a goalie in the draft that they love, go for it. You know, so far, you know, we, we, I've still not, I'm still sort of on the fence about the doc pick, but he's been good and he played this year and, and, um, what, why am I blanking on his name? Bowen Byram did not this year. So as of now, it looks pretty good, but we're not going to really know how that draft pick worked out for another three, four, five years, but we'll see. Um, I'll have a lot more on the draft closer to draft time. I promise right now I'm just trying to get through what's going on now. Look, I got time to brush up on the draft. Maybe I should start doing that. Um, but look, it's going to be uh, it's going to be very interesting. And I look forward to seeing how this whole thing plays out. Draft, free agency, playoffs, etc. But let's just get back on the ice. Boy, I hope it I hope it happens. Maybe by the time we talk on Thursday morning, we'll have some actual news about hockey's return. But until then, we will talk to you next time on Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And now that this podcast is wrapped up, ask your smart speaker to play the latest episode of Lockdown NHL. We will talk to you on Thursday morning. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks. Have a great rest of your Tuesday.